Amen. Thank you, Kevin. Appreciate Kevin so much. One of the most talented musicians. And uh, I am thankful that we have him here at our church. He could make more money somewhere else, just about anywhere else. But God called him here. And I like to remind him about that every once in a while. <laughs> He's been called. All right. Um, be finding Romans chapter 5, verse 12. And uh, while you're finding that, uh, if you came in a little late, uh, just a reminder that this Wednesday night we will have a New Year's day service January 1st this coming Wednesday and uh, it will be at Bristol Road and we will observe Holy Communion there's uh, nothing better than being reminded that our sins are forgiven our past is behind us and being ready for whatever 2020 brings to us and so that'll be this Wednesday night. And if you want to bring some, some soup or sandwiches or chips or whatever, uh, we're going to all stay and have some food and fellowship afterwards. Romans uh, chapter 5, if we, as we revisit this, uh, verse 12 says, Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin... So death spread to all men because all sinned. We're dealing here with uh, what is historically been called original sin. That the fact that Adam and Eve disobeyed God and brought sin for the first time into the world and death then followed. And since we are his descendants, we have his DNA, his fallen nature, and so we duplicate that sin in our own life, and that leads to death. Now, when we become a Christian, we have a new nature, the nature of Christ. And actually, uh, I don't hold that we have two natures when we become a Christian, an old one and a new one. I think we have a new nature. Paul calls the tendency to sin afterwards the flesh. And it's that selfishness that is still remains. He refers to it in Romans seven eighteen. I know that nothing good dwells in, in me that is in my flesh. But Christ dwells in your spirit. So Paul contrasts Galatians 5.22 between the flesh and the spirit. But your new nature is your true nature as a Christian. It is the deepest part of you, truest part of you, I would say, and can only be satisfied by the presence of God, the spirit of God. And so to live without the satisfaction of your spirit and your true nature as a Christian is to live superficially in the flesh. 
But Adam plunged us all into sin, but it does not mean we are uh, on the sidelines. Because Romans 5, 12, once again, he says, As sin came into the world through one man and death through sin, so death spread to all men because all sinned. So we learn that original sin is duplicated within us and through us. In other words, we all have our own Garden of Eden where we're faced with choices and we become accountable to God and we sin in a paradise. How did Adam sin? Remember, it was in a paradise. It was in the Garden of Eden. Uh, he had perfect health. He was a specimen of manhood. Every cell in his brain was at full capacity. Can you imagine? He was a walking Wikipedia. Y'all know what Wikipedia is, right? Or is that just those of us who are technologically savvy? <laughs> the brain has a hundred billion neurons and every one of his was on full alert. Every sensory perception was maximized. His hearing, his seeing, his smelling, his touching, his tasting, everything was at its maximum. Adam never once had a thought that he was bored. He had perfect health. He had a perfect environment. You have to almost picture butterflies lighting on his shoulders. The smell of flowers filling the air. Roses without thorns. Lions and bears playing with him like puppy dogs. Because there was no fear. There was no Shedding of blood. There was no violence. This was the perfect environment of Eden. He had a perfect marriage. He could say to his wife Eve, Honey, I just think you're the most beautiful woman on earth. <laughs> and, and mean it. Because she was the only woman on earth. But can you imagine a woman unsullied by sin and death? I don't want to get you all stirred up there, but I mean, that's something to think about. <laughs> but, and you know this story, how in Genesis 3, with all this perfect health and environment and marriage, Satan got Adam and Eve to look away from the blessings at the one tree they could not have. Satan does that, right? He gives us, God gives us so much 
And then Satan wants us to emphasize the negative, the absence of something, and we become obsessive. We sin in a paradise like Adam. And Satan said to them, you can see it be good for food and it's pleasant to the eyes. God doesn't want you to eat of it because he knows if you eat of it, you'd be like him and he doesn't want competition. In other words, Satan convinced Adam and Eve that God did not have their best interests at heart. That they should make their own decisions. Autonomy is satanic. It's antichrist. We are called upon to be branches in a vine, dependent, not autonomous. So we duplicate Adam's fall. We sin in a paradise. So I think one of the things that will help you resist Satan is if you'll just start looking around at all the blessings that God has just poured out upon you. A New York congresswoman Ocasio-Cortez, have you heard of her? Uh, she said recently in a rally that this is the first generation that has never known prosperity. Hmm, I thought, what? Now she just turned 30, so I'm allowing a little for that. But did you know you can order at Starbucks... 80,000 different varieties and mixtures of drinks. It take you a lifetime to go through the options. Where, where can you just go and get a cup of coffee? I went to Walmart one morning, early morning, to pick up some things while I was there. Uh, for the first time this year, I, I had uh, 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 some little Cheez-Its. You know those little yellow crackers? I never had them before. So at some point this year, I had some, and I thought, while I'm at Walmart, I'm going to get some Cheez-Its. So I walked over there, asked them where they were. My mouth dropped open. They had... Toasty Cheez-Its, Cheddar Cheez-Its, White Cheddar Cheez-Its, Sharp White Cheddar Cheez-Its, Sweet and Salty, Hot and Spicy, Grooved Cheez-Its, Jalapeno Cheez-Its, Parmesan, Whole Grain, Extra Large, Buffalo Wing. I asked the lady, I said, do you have... Regular? <laughs> I just want some cheeses. Can you imagine? When I was eight or nine years old, I thought, I, I thought, uh, well, I asked my mom, I said, Mom, are we millionaires? 
she laughed and laughed. As I've grown up, I look back on those days and I realize we were poor. We lived in a, a little two-room or a two-bedroom flat on Henry Street in Marstown, Tennessee. And, and I shared a bedroom with my sister. And the bathroom was connected to the next tenant over. So we shared a bathroom with that tenant. And there was a, a door on each side, on our side and her side. And I learned pretty quick, you got to lock both doors. <laughs> but my, my childhood was so happy. I felt like I had everything. I thought we were millionaires. But I have to admit, I've sinned. I sinned in a paradise. In fact, I will say this. You know, uh, I, we not only shared a bathroom, but I can remember growing up at my grandparents, we had a telephone called a party line. And if, does anybody ever know what a party line is? That's where you pick the phone up because there's a, several parties that have the same line and you have to wait till they get off before you can call somebody. Nowadays, what do we have? Uh, young people not only don't have a party line, they don't even have a house phone. They have their own personal phone that they drive around with. We live in a paradise. But we sin. We duplicate Adam's sin by letting Satan lure us away from the goodness of God and the constant praises that are to come from his holy temple and we believe his lie that somehow that will be better than what God has provided. We've done it. As he puts it here, we've all sinned. I would just say this. I would say this is a generation that has known nothing but prosperity. That's what I'd say. Now, here's the thing about what Paul is saying. And I think this is the main point that leads us into chapter 6. That what Adam did brought an effect and a reproduction of his life, of his failure into our lives and the death, the wages of that sin is reproduced as well. And it's inevitable. It's powerful and it's global. It comes to us through our connection to Adam along with his sinful, selfish nature and the death of the body. But, and this is Romans 5.17. Pull up that Romans 5.17. Notice this. It's because of one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man. But much more will those who receive abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in the life of Jesus Christ. His life in us. 
In other words, the life of Jesus is much greater, it's much more in us than the death of Adam is in us. It's much more. Let me give you some things. What Paul is saying is, in his argument here, is what we lost in Adam, we gain much more in Christ. What we lost in Adam, we don't just get that back. We get much more. Here's some examples. Adam was created mortal. Sinless, but mortal. That is, death was a possibility. But in Jesus Christ, we are given at the resurrection immortality. John eleven twenty six 26 says, Jesus said, Everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe that? That's what Jesus said. You will never die. In fact, he calls the Christians, what we call a funeral, as going to sleep in Jesus. Because sleep is temporary and refreshing. But the Christian, in contrast to Adam, is given immortality. Um. 1 Corinthians 15, 54. When the perishable puts on imperishable and the mortal puts on immortality, then will come to pass the saying, death has been swallowed up by victory. So how, how is the Christian life greater than, than the perfection of Adam's paradise? Well, Adam was mortal. In Christ, we obtain, through grace, immortality. So every Christian not only will be resurrected, but resurrected to never be subject to death again. Hallelujah. Here's another one. Adam was created a little lower than the angels. Psalm 8, 5. What is man that you're mindful of him? He was created a little lower than the angels. But in Christ, we have been elevated over the angels because we have become sons of God in Jesus Christ. And Hebrews 1, 14 says, Angels are all ministering spirits sent to serve those who inherit salvation. They are our servants. We are sons of God. Adam was made a little lower than angels. We are created in Christ Jesus above the angels in status, in dignity, in majesty. That's why in 1 Corinthians 6, it says that you shouldn't take a Christian brother to court because, look, you're going to be judging angels. They'll have to answer to you in the afterlife. So, 
Adam was created lower than the angels. We are above the angels. Here's, a, here's another one. Adam was blessed conditionally. He was, we might say he was on probation. But what we are given, Romans 6, 22, says it's called eternal life or everlasting life. That's the same word used in, in, in Romans 16, 26 for God himself. He's the everlasting God or the eternal God. We have everlasting life. It, we're not on probation. He says in Hebrews 13, 5, I will never leave you or forsake you. That's not what he told Adam. There is much more in grace in the new creation than there was in the old. That's what Paul is saying here. To those who receive his grace, much more. Let me give you another one. And I, we could go on with these, but I'll wrap this up. But when Adam was created, he was given the earth. But guess what the Christians are given? The children of God, the people of God. 2 Peter 3.13 According to his promise, we wait for a new heavens and a new earth in which dwells righteousness. New heavens and new earth. Adam got earth, we get heaven and earth. Hallelujah. That's much more. That's so much better. If we could see the riches of God which is in Christ... We would run to him, not walk. Here's another. Adam, when he was exiled from the garden because of his sin, could not return to the garden or the tree of life that was in the garden. But listen to Revelation 22, verse 1. He showed me a river, a, a pure river of the water of life, clear as crystal, flowing from the throne. Here's this garden image of a river through it. And in the midst was the tree of life, which bore twelve manner of fruits and yielded her fruit every month. There's no more curse. But the throne of God and the Lamb is in it. And His servants serve Him and they see His face. We have access, according to Revelation 22, when God wraps it all up back in the midst of this garden paradise is the tree of life. And that's surrounded by walls with 12 gates. They're all open. Three on each side because people from every direction and every location of the globe will enter it. By the way, and you'll remember too, you notice in that passage in Revelation 22, the throne of God and the Lamb is in it. In the new heavens and new earth, God comes and puts his throne right in the middle of this new paradise. In Genesis, God only 
visited Adam. Remember that? He would come in the cool of the day and walk, talk with him. But in the end, in Christ, in the new heavens and new earth, he dwells. He puts his throne right in the midst of us. We see his face. What a wonderful message of grace. How I praise God to be part of this. It, it's like when in the Gospel of John and Jesus comes to the wedding feast and they run out of wine. Remember that story? And, they, and Jesus' mother tells him they're, they're out of wine. And Jesus turns the water into wine. And I'll know what wine it was. That was some good wine. Amen, Baptist. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> and, and they said, oh, he saved the best wine until last. I want to tell you something about God the future is always better than the past. He doesn't take our lives and fix them so that they are uh, repaired, but not up to what they once were. No, that's not the way God does things. This is grace brings much more, much more. And he saves the best for last. Boy, when he wraps this thing up, you're going to shout and praise. We do it now by faith. One day we'll do it by sight. And what a sight it will be. What a day. And we will exclaim the goodness of God and the greatness of God and say, surely he doeth all things well. So that's the way we approach 2020. Better than 2019. Because God saves the best for the future. Amen. Let's worship Him with our tithes. Ushers, you come and let's praise Him with our offerings today. <clears throat>